In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, we are in a series calling Thankful Heart, and, and the reason we're going for a whole month is I think there's a, there's a lot of dynamics when you talk about thankfulness, and there's a lot of struggles that we have when we're talking about thankfulness and a thankful heart. Not something that goes beyond, or something that goes beyond just kind of the orange and browns of Thanksgiving, which is a time when we're very thankful, we're very giving. But I think there's some, there's some depth to it, and one of the things that we just looked at last week is regardless of the success that you have today, all the things that have happened to you, I think there is a humility that comes when you recognize just how many shoulders you have stood on and how many people have given, how many people have sacrificed, how many people have done all these things so that you could be where you're at today. And of course, Christ is our best example when we're talking about what Christ has done to die on the cross, to give us what we have. That's a humbling thing, and I think one that causes thankfulness when you look back on all these things. The one we're looking at today, I think, is a little bit different. We're going to be looking at abilities and strengths and abilities. And so uh, this is a little bit complex, so you're going to have to kind of track with me a little bit and feel like, hey, we're, we're way in left field here for a second. But um, last week was standing on the shoulders of giants, specifically as we talk about standing on the shoulders of Christ and then all the people in our lives and then also the call to action. When you're a thankful person, that means it's not just something you feel, it's something you do and allowing someone else to stand on your shoulders to try and help people move forward. Uh, today we're talking about abilities and gifts, and this is, I think, one of the more challenging things the, because uh, many of us like to get credit for the things we've done. Because at the end of the day, if you're a successful person, it's, I've never met a, a person that just said, it's all chance or luck that allowed me to get here. That's never happened in my whole life. In fact, my favorite podcast, which I've shared with you before, How I Built This by Guy Ross, right? So at the end of every show, he asks a variation of this, of this question which is, do you attribute your success uh, primarily to your abilities, your smarts, your hard work, or to luck? How much do you attribute to each of those? And every single time the person struggles because the person never says, it's all luck. The reason I'm a billionaire today is luck. That never ever happens. Instead, they go, well, I was born in this family, or I had people that were supportive, or I had people who gave me money, or I had people who you know, were there, and it came at the right time of the planet when like, the internet was just taking off, so that part is kind of luck, but there's always a but. And every single time they say, but you have to do something with it. So they say one of my philosophies, and you hear this almost every time, is, this is not my personal one, that's what they say on the show, is every person is given luck, it's just what you do with it. And you think of another variation of that, if you hear, it's not in the Bible, but God helps those who help themselves. Is that a phrase you know? That's an appealing phrase, right? Why? Because if you'd look at your own success, how much would you attribute to luck and how much would you attribute to your hard work and the effort you put in? It's kind of hard, right? Because it's not just standing on the shoulders of giants. There's this sense that I've worked really hard. And it's really hard to be thankful when you think you're the one who did all the work. So it's a different story, like if you have to move rocks in your front lawn or something like that, and you move all the rocks, it's very hard to be thankful to your neighbors that didn't help you out. This is just a rule of life, right? So that's just a, a, a thought, right? But what happens if your neighbor helped you move half the rocks? You'd be like, I'm very thankful to the neighbor who helped me get here, okay? So this is kind of what we're in the realm of. And you're not alone in this. So I was reading a book by Annie Duke called Thinking in Bets. I think I shared this before. And, and before I talked about resulting, this is a little bit different. So Annie Duke was just getting into gambling. She was like a... a, a an English major, and she, her brother was a professional gambler, and she said, hey, this is what I should do, right? Because who doesn't say that? And so she starts studying and how to become a professional poker player, and she gets very, very good at it. And one of the things, she'd sit down with her brother, who's a professional, and I think he has like, the, what do they get, a bracelet when they win the World Series of Poker? 
So he, I think he has one, she has one at least, and she would start to talk to him about like, oh, I had this, it was so amazing on this one hand, and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you want to talk about strategy, I'll talk to you all day long. But if you're going to talk to me about like how awesome you were and the bad luck you had when you lost, I don't want to talk about it. And so what she examined over time is that people who are really, really good at something, the poker players who are good, the, the very, very best ones, no matter if they win or lose, always want to talk about, did they make the right play? And so they talk like in depth, and it's like probably like Bobby Fischer, right? They know all the moves, they know which card was there, they, they know the percentages, if you've ever known a professional gambler. They can look and they can, like if we just laid cards out right here, they would say there's a 13% chance that this is going to win, and that, and that changes when the other card flips, like the river and stuff like that. I just like to say the river. And then when they do these things, they know the percentages, just like if you watch it on ESPN and they do like this and it says the percentages, because I have no idea, I don't play poker, or I don't play very well. So this is all the things that they know. And so they struggle with this, and she was getting to the point, the very best players talk about it all the time, and the worst players that are professionals only talk about how amazing they were when they win and the bad luck they had when they lose. I don't think we're all that different, and I'm gonna kinda get there in a second. So the, the section that I want to look at as we talk about it is bringing this back to next week, and I figure I have to have one pause right now. And this is where I think if this is your scenario, you really struggle to be thankful to be on other people's shoulders. So last week, well, this is one of the questions we asked. Um, who are the people that you are thankful for to get you to where you're at? And so this could be parents, it could be grandparents, it could be your immigrant great-grandparents, it could be your bosses or your coaches and all these people that have put you in this position. So some of you recognize that, right? You recognize that there's people who allowed you to get to where you're at today? I'm guessing almost the same people, though, if you look back in your life and think, you know what, I did not stand on everyone's shoulders. And I think there's specific instances that you could think it didn't feel like I was standing on someone's shoulders, it felt like they were standing on my head. So how many of you have struggled with a coach that was really lousy and did not give you a chance? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have been in school and there was a position that was available and it felt like someone gave favoritism to someone else? How many of you have been looked over for a promotion and it does not really feel like everyone is trying to lift you up? Do you ever feel like that? You ever struggle with this idea that like people are, it's kind of the world against me a little bit? The real struggle there I think is twofold and we'll get to the second one. The first one is just to think the more that the world is against me, the easier it is to look to yourself and think how thankful you are to yourself that you've gotten to where you've gotten. Let me give you an example. Oh, I skipped one thing. I'll have to go to this first. So the we'll get to the example in a second. So Psalm 34 is talking about that even when we're crushed and when we're broken, the Lord is next to us. So the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then again, this is Romans. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. So why am I bringing this up now? Because I probably talked all last week about how amazing it is that people have gotten you to this position, and then you went home and you were super frustrated because people have not actually helped you out that much. Either way, God is there with you. Part two. Here's my example. Does anyone recognize this individual? I didn't either. So I think I was just intrigued by the headline. But I think I even told you about this, but I'm going to talk more on it. This guy's name is Tommy Pham, I think it is, P-H-A-M. Is that right? Pham? I'm looking at baseball guys. So Tommy Pham, so in an interview, 
it's uh, Ken Rosenthal. He's the guy with the bow tie, if you ever watch baseball at all. So Ken Rosenthal is there, and he's like, hey, Tommy, who do you have to thank for this great moment? I don't even know what moment it was. And, and he's like, yeah, I, um, I, there's some people I could thank, but most of all, I'm proud of myself. And this is intriguing, right? You see, a th- a Tommy Pham thanks himself, right? This is fascinating. So, so I click on the article, and, and there's an interview. I couldn't get the video to go down because it's proprietary. But he says, I'm very thankful to myself because it's not like I had a dad who would play catch with me. I played catch with myself. I threw the ball up to myself. I threw the ball against the wall by myself. I believed in myself. And I thought, wow. Then I started doing some more reading about Tommy Pham, and some of his teammates said there is no story. We all want, like, the Rocky Balboa, like, against all odds victory. And they said Tommy Pham is that guy. Tommy Pham pulled himself up, you know, like, not a great home life, and he still, like, worked it out, and he uh, works maniacally. He's known for how much he works out. And then it gets all the way to this point. I think he was nine years in the minors, which is a long time, and then he breaks through, and he's, like, truly a remarkable player. So that's one half of it. How many of you are impressed by how much Tommy Pham works and this sense that he worked hard? I was impressed, actually, in this interview. I wanted to be really angry, and I thought, you know what? There is something to that. There's probably all these other boys. But then I started looking in a little bit on Tommy Pham, and Tommy Pham is built like a linebacker, and he has elite speed. Okay? And do you know how fast he could throw a ball in high school? He's not a pitcher, mind you. He's 93 miles an hour. So let me just talk a little bit about baseball. My brother played baseball through college and scholarship and the whole thing. So I know a little bit about these things, and I started to investigate. How many high schoolers do you think can throw over 90 miles an hour right now, roughly, in the United States? Anyone got a guess? Out of all the high school ball players, less than 300. How many... And so you're like, wow, over 90 is a lot. So there was a story just a, this a couple months ago. Remember, they signed, I don't know the guy's name, but he was on YouTube, and he's doing a speed pitch because who wouldn't want to go all out at the park for the speed pitch, and he threw like 94. And they signed by the A's, and everyone is like, wow, I don't know. Do you know why? Because at 93, if you can throw 93 or above, like this 200, 300 just drops down to like, I wouldn't say single digits, but very, very few in the nation right now in high school can throw over 93 or above. So when you watch a little bit like a Cole, um, Cole who's just going to get signed and he throws, what, upper 90s regularly? So there's a difference if you want to really nerd out. There's a difference between indoor, on a mound, like warmed up and throwing like all out and getting like as fast as you can because you're not aiming. That, and the other one is called where they glide or where they ease. And very, very, very few guys can throw over 90 just on every fastball average. And so why is this guy going to get so much money who plays for the Astros? Because he throws in the upper 90s, like 98, 99, just throwing fastballs. He would throw over 100 if he went all out. So where does this all come down to? The narrative that Tommy Pham tells himself, which is what? The reason I have gotten here is because I worked incredibly hard against all odds, and I did not have a, a dad like that guy who took me to camps. And I did not have a dad like that guy who would pay for me to go to these show tournaments. And I did not have a dad like that who would play catch with me whenever I wanted. You think Tommy forgot something? That of all the elite athletes in the world, he just happens to be one of the most elite naturally? There's a struggle that we have, I think, when we talk about gifts. And this is Deuteronomy. And the struggle that we have is twofold. One is sometimes that we forget the gifts that God has given us, and the other is sometimes we, we like to credit how much work we had, and the other is sometimes we forget that it's God who's the one who gives us the work. And this was the very instance 
that was happening 3,500 years ago as God came and, and Moses is talking to the people. But we already read this, but I'll just kind of highlight some of it. They're getting ready to enter the, the promised land. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees. This is how we can express our thanks to God, that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and I, I read this just about every Thanksgiving, and all of you have is multiplied, then your hearts will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock, he gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You might say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, and what is Moses' reminder? But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. There's two things, and I think the first thing that we forget, just so we're not all that different, I think, from those gamblers. When we have success, I think very, very much so, we like, like think our own gifts, our own talents, and our own skill. The Bible talks about this. So there's gifts of the Spirit and there's fruits of the Spirit. So when you read in the Bible, there's certain things that he said every Christian should have. We had some of those in Colossians, uh, kindness, patience, self-control. But some things are gifts. Let me give you some examples. The gift of wisdom. God is saying this is insight into situations, you know people like this, that you would say are wise human beings. God has given them that gift. The gift of knowledge, which is just recognizing uh, what God has showed and clearly understanding it. This is hard. That's a little bit different. Wisdom is applying it. Knowledge is just understanding it. There's a guy I know, he's a pastor, and I would call him in very difficult situations that I didn't understand. I'd say, hey, what's the situation here? In one second, he would say, oh, it's this, this, and this. I'm like, thanks. Talk to you later. And that's it. I talked to him about twice a year. That's not how often I was confused, but I talked to him about twice a year. The gift of faith. How many people do you know that no matter what the circumstances are, they still have faith that God is going to provide? Like no, matter, like, no matter how sick they are, no matter how, much, how terrible it is, they have this gift of faith that says, God, I trust that God's going to take me through this. The gift of discernment, which is just very clearly to see, is this the, the way of God or is this not the way of God? The gift of administration, because who doesn't want that gift? That's the Excel spreadsheets that the Lord has given you. The gift of help. Now, this one's probably more obvious. If you look around, how many people do you know that are always have this willing heart? Like when you're looking for some help, they're like, yeah, I'll help you out. And you think, how in the world did they do this? Like they help you move in and you're thinking, please don't ask me if I can help you move in because I just don't want to, right? That, that is a gift of the Lord. And I, if someone calls me, Jerry, can you help me move? I'll be like, that's not my gift. My gift is just... <laughs> My gift of wisdom to know that I have a limited amount of time in my back that I can't do this. So these are all tricky, right? These are spiritual gifts, and you're like, some of these gifts are mine or some are not my gifts. But let's just talk about a few other things. The gift of intelligence. God has given you, as we showed with the cups with the kids, God has given some of you amazing intelligence and some of you maybe not so much. That's a gift of God. Math. That's a curse and a gift, Right? <laughs> So when is the first time you recognized that you naturally were good at something that other people were not? How long in life did, I mean, and not just sports and stuff, but I mean understanding things. When's the first time that happened to you? 
So I'll give you two instances in my life, very simple. In, um, I'll tell you on the other end of it. Most of the time I would focus on the things I wasn't good at and I'd be frustrated that other people were really good at them. So I was, I'm a terrible speller and any of you, you all know that, right? I mean, that's not hard to figure out. I'm not great at editing bulletins. You all know that. It's not hard to figure out. It's on, it's on, on, uh, on show every single week. But one of the other things I would struggle about, if you would spell your name out loud, that does not trigger with me. And I've said this before, it does not. And I don't know if it's auditory dyslexia or what, but like if you spell your last name, I'm literally like saying in my head what you said because I can't track it at the same speed. And this just happened to be, I, I visited someone on Thursday and they spelled their name and I could not register what they were saying. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was the difference between a C and a K. And most of you are like, if I'd spell a name out like Schultz, you'd be like, oh, you just said it. You could picture in your head, I can't picture it. So I'm like, anyway. That's one thing. So I get very frustrated that people were good. I went into advanced math just for show. It was honors math when I was a freshman. I begged to get into this in high school. I don't know why, because I got obliterated. All the other kids are just like dorking around, passing notes, getting A's on their tests. And I was just like, what is happening? However, geometry, I was awesome. And I didn't even know that. I didn't even think about this. This is the last time I had math class, sophomore in high school. So I was really, really good. And, and maybe my teacher wasn't great, but they would do the proofs, you know how that, I don't know what they're called, and then you can picture which teacher I'm talking about, and I would get it done faster, and I'd be like, hey, can we do this in three steps or four steps, and he was like, this is how he talked, actually, yes, <laughs> and then he would just go on to the next problem, so there's another time, one more time in college, we were in, uh, in psychology class, how many of you like psychology in co college, how many of you hated psychology in college, right, right, so I'm in psychology class. To me, this was the easiest class in the whole world. I'm sitting there and I'm listening. I'm hearing about Pavlov and all this other stuff and it was like no problem. And I went back to the dorm and my friend sits down and he's like, I'm getting a D. And I'm thinking like, how do you get a D in psychology? This is the easiest class in the world. That was the moment, and I'm telling you honestly, that is the moment that I figured out that God has given me in that particular area a sense of ease when it comes to understanding these concepts and he doesn't give it to everyone else. When is the first time you realize that God has given you a special gift? Problem solving. You're at work and people are all stuck and they come to you and you just are able to like get it like that. Nurturing. You don't understand this. There's this heart that God has given you. Vision, which is just saying the bigger picture when people are like, what's coming down the road? And you cannot understand why can't everyone's like stuck in the weeds. That's how you feel all the time. You're at work, you're at home, and you're like, no, no, it's all fine because this is where we're going, right? That's a gift of the Lord. Stamina, and I just mentioned that because I'm older now and I'm tired. <laughs> so if you're under 30, that is a gift of the Lord. You should really appreciate that. Grit. I think God wired certain people to work through challenges and just like God has given you a gift that says even when it's lousy, you're able just to suffer and go and go and go. Where do we go with all this? I don't think we're that different from the gamblers. And when we have success, we think, wow, it's the amazing talents that I have and I've nurtured. It's all my abilities. I don't think we're all that different from Tommy Pham when we look at our gifts we say, we sometimes forget the gifts that God has given us and the only way that we've had success in life is because of the hard work and effort and the things that I've done. And I think that's good, right? And if I look back at my life and if you look back on your life, I think so many of us would attribute where you are today, not because this someone has handed to you in a platter, but you look back and look at all the challenges you faced, all the sacrifices you've given, all the things you've gotten to get to this point. And I think one of the things we'd highlight is that 
as from a Midwesterner who's got a German background, we'd say the hard work, that kind of work ethic, right? And I'd say that's one of the highlights, right? We would say this is really good, and this is, we work hard. But here's the problem. Uh, Ephesians 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge or wisdom. Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. Said a little bit clearer in Colossians, which we read earlier. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance for the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. What is the end goal here? You're supposed to work hard. This is not something special. God has given you gifts. And when God has given you these gifts, intelligence and stamina and love and faith and trust, God says, here is my expectation. I want you to work hard. That is the bottom line. This is not like the upper things that you can look around and, and underestimate all the other work that people have done. So I think we're at this really, really difficult challenge that we do one of two things. When we have success, we usually undermine the gifts that God has given us and we overestimate the gifts that other people have when they have success. Well, yeah, yeah, because of this, that's why they're successful. And I think we overestimate how hard we work and we often underestimate how other people have worked to get where they're at. So what is God telling you? A thankful heart has a very distinct thing a thankful heart is recognizing that God is the one who has given you the gifts to do what you're doing. A thankful heart looks back and says, God has not only given me gifts, but God has actually given me the ability to serve. How would you answer this question in front of the whole world? And God says, what do you attribute? You know, the interviewer says, well, how do you attribute your success today? I don't know if I have the perfect answer, but I think it would be in two parts. I'm thankful for a God who has given me the gifts he has given me so I could be here. And I'm thankful to a God who has given me the ability to use those gifts to his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you've given us so many gifts, and ultimately we're humbled because we recognize that so often we want credit for those gifts, and we have a high, our, it's our pride. Uh, we don't want to admit that, it's, uh, the, that you've put us where we're at. We don't want to admit we stand on the shoulders of giants. We don't want to admit anything. Instead, we want to look at our own skill and our own talent and our own, and our own brains that have gotten to where we're at. But at the end of the day, Christ came here not because of our talent. Christ came here not because we were great. In fact, we are the ones that are trying to take glory from him. And instead, he still came here. He still died on the cross. He still took our sins away so that out of thankfulness, we can do two things. We can recognize the gifts you've given each of us, unique as they are, and not be jealous of other people's gifts if they're bigger than ours or better than ours. And we can have a thankful heart that recognizes you alone give us the ability to even use these gifts. Help us these coming days as we talk about Thanksgiving. We're obviously thankful for family. We're thankful for friends. We're thankful for our health. But help us be thankful for just that ability to work and serve you the best that we can. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, I invite those who have spoken.